So, anywho, well, hey, everybody, it's at Percussion Podcast. It's uh, Casey Cangelosi. It's June 13th. It's episode 291. And it's the last round table we're going to have before just a little break. I think we've got like a month and a, a half break scheduled or so. We'll be back with you sometime in August for episode 292. And uh, we never plugged this enough, so I'll just plug it real quick. You can join these round tables if you want by joining the Patreon. You can find all that stuff on Facebook or on our YouTube channel. There's links to all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate your support um, uh, with that. And we do these, um, I don't know, probably, you know, once every two months, something like that. Hopefully we, we get around to doing them a little more for you. But if you're interested in supporting the show, that's one way you can do it. And of course, you can also support us simply by just like listening, subscribing, doing all that good stuff, sharing all that stuff. Um, we uh, that helps the show or whatever. And uh, let's see what else. Oh, one other one other note I wanted to make is, um, you know, if you if you've been listening to us steadily but maybe you need to go back some podcasts like channels and podcatchers don't go all the way back to episode one so if you ever want to go all the way back to episode one you might not be able to find that on like whatever your preferred podcast listening app is be it even like spotify or itunes or google podcasts or whatever but you can definitely find all the way back to episode one on youtube it's archived there you can also go all the way back to episode one and everything in between on the Podbean side so we got links to all that stuff you just have to take a minute and go find it and you can go back and listen if you want more stuff to listen to in the month off so what else is going on over here we got carly vina hey carly hey casey how are you doing yeah i'm doing well how are you just fine thanks also ksenia kamianovich what do you say ksenia Hey, I'm, I have nothing to say. I'm just in awe at looking at Alan driving and doing the multitasking for real. <laughs> his, his, inter, his internet's a little sketchy though. Like sometimes it looks like he's not driving, but he clearly is now. Alan, Alan's one of our supporters. Hey, Alan Lang, how's it going, buddy? Good, how are you guys doing? We're doing fine, man. Hey, um, I was going to tell you real quick what happened in re release date. It is uh, July 1st that this episode is going to come out on. And my favorite thing I found was the death date of Eric Satie. Eric Satie, of course, famous composer and uh, pianist in particular. But uh, it seems like people play his stuff on marimba uh, now and again. Um, the the big G word pieces. I don't know if you guys enjoy <laughs> listening to how the various pronunciations of those pieces. I don't know if you can share any fun ones of like the G Y wait, let me make sure I spell this right for everyone. I think I know how to say it, but it's been really fun over the years listening to like people's different attempts. I mean, especially Americans, like, like how they say these words. Did so, we all try it and then let Ksenia just school us? Uh, yeah, I think we should. I mean, I want to tell her what I think this is. I see if I'm right, but uh, G Y M N O P E D I E series of piano pieces. The funniest one I've ever heard of this is <laughs> Gymnopedy. That's my favorite. <laughs> that's how it looks. <laughs> that is how it looks. I mean, it does look like that, but like that's certainly a bad guess. <laughs> 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 well, I've always said and heard, I think, Jim Nepody. 
I think that's close. I, I always thought it was gymnopédie. Ah, yeah. Accent. Yeah. Al, have you ever heard a fun one of this? I don't know if you know these pieces or not. I haven't heard of the pieces. Haven't heard of them. Ksenia, let's let's hear what they're really what they're really called. I mean, if you know, I don't know why Carly just assumes you know. I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, I I, I teach at a university. I could know. <laughs> it's a gymnopédie, I think, but French is real. I don't speak French. I think uh, I think I've heard the gymnopedia. I've heard that too. Uh huh. That's a good yeah. one. It's a good name for like a gym. That would be really like cool. an encyclopedia like an encyclopedia of gyms. A like book a about a gym. Yeah, like yeah, a like, like a lexicon of gyms. Yeah, I hope yeah, people it, are still listening. <laughs> no, no one's still listening. <laughs> what about the other one? What about G N O S S I E N N E? I think I know how to say this one too, but I've heard some funnier ones of this. Well, I've heard, and I think this is how it's said, Nessien. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, Silent Nessien. G, right? Yeah, I think so. Is that right, Ksenia? I think, okay. I just, I come from a country that's like hours away by flying from France and we don't speak French, but I think it's Nassian or Nassian. Yeah. Yeah. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see some quick fun facts about Eric Satie. And of course those are the, the Nassian number ones, the piece I played on marimba when I was a student and I'd be, you know, thrilled to play again. I totally would. Um, you hear that Genopédie number one a lot on marimba and yeah it seems like it's getting more and more common it's kind of these pieces are kind of nice because you can just straight play them you don't have to adjust anything they fit in the range um i think the the at least nausea number one i think the lowest notes the f if i remember like f below uh was that f2 f1 um, i think that's f1 so that, that that's kind of nice it's very they're very easy you don't have to do any tricky adapting you can play them in the original key you don't have to the change much because you know eric Satie is known for that like like simplistic thin minimalistic uh quality to his music which is why they they said oh he's like way ahead of his time and he although he hung out with all of the impressionists like Debussy and Ravel, and he he play improved piano at the the Black Cat uh, bar for for uh, uh, puppet uh, shadow puppet like theater. He did improvisation for that, so he he kind of fit the bill to be a regular impressionist by who he was around. But his music is just very very different, and that's why you'll sometimes hear people say like, "Yeah, Eric Satie predicted minimalism." you know, over a hundred years before, before his time and, and all that sort of thing. So uh, some other fun facts about Eric Satie, uh, the piece Vexations is often talked about it's in 1893. This is a piece that has this 840 uh, phrase repeat. And it's just a long, long piece that again, is like very like cycle based and repetitive and um and and minimalistic uh something something Satie says that is in order to play the theme 840 times in succession it would be advisable to prepare oneself beforehand and in the deepest silence through serious immobility immobility so i guess he's saying be still and silent for a long time before you can get ready to repeat this phrase 840 times um he supposedly founded his own religion 
So this says from 1891 to 92, Satie was composer in residence for the mystical order of the Rose and Cross of the Temple and Grail, an occult sect founded by Joseph Peladin. And yeah, Satie, along with some others, had this uh, what they called mystical order. And what's another fun one? Let's see. He carried a hammer with him. His friends called him Mr. Poor uh, because, I mean, because he was really poor. So I don't know, it's kind of just mean, but they called him Mr. Poor. And he carried a hammer with him supposedly wherever he went because he had to walk through really rough parts of town to get from point A to point B, lesson one to lesson two, gig A to gig B, etc. And he carried a hammer with him for self-defense. Let's see, he barely graduated school, completing his studies only after returning. Oh, oh, time out real quick. <laughs> Just a minute. Incoming. Oh, he's, he's running to the bathroom. That's really good. That's really good. That's what, he's, that's what he's supposed to do. That's awesome. He just like ran to the bathroom. That's so good. So Sati barely graduated music school, completing his studies only after returning at the age of 40. So the, like how you all tease me all the time for not having my doctoral degree, I might just go back when I turn 40 and finish it. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but I definitely won't do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just some fun facts about Satya dug up real quick and um, his death date today on release date. So happy July 1, everybody, and happy death date to Eric Satya. Yeah, Carly. Yeah, well, I was just checking the details on this, but a couple of weeks ago, I saw in 60 Minutes, a pianist named Igor Levitt, and he performed Vexations, I think on like his YouTube channel or Facebook or something. And um, there's this quote for him talking about the performance. And he writes, I was high as a monkey. So um, I guess that's representative of what it feels like to perform Vexations if, if you haven't haven't experienced it. Well, it is interesting. I mean, his music is generally... Um easy you know i mean i mean especially by piano standards i mean especially by impressionist standards like the density there like i can play a lot of those piano pieces you know yeah yeah, um, yeah they're, they're very 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 simple so a friend of mine performed it uh chi wang yim did and he played it for 28 hours straight mm -hmm. and he told me that this required uh diaper training because he had to not go to the bathroom for that amount of time. I think this is amazing. This is exactly what Marina Abramovic would do, which I yeah, think is yeah, just- Yeah, that's, that's who came to mind, yeah. I didn't even think about that. And how he said, you know, that uh, at some point he couldn't recognize his fingers anymore, that like the sounds that came out were right, but he, you just, I think everything just sort of melts and blends and it's so hypnotic, the experience. That's why perhaps, I don't know if the pianist was pre-high, like to prepare for the performance or if they became high through the music, but I, I think that that happens. Plus that piece is, uh, I think, a little bit tricky to read because even though Satie's supposedly easy, this is just some sort of enharmonic, you know, accidental nightmare of a piece. So it, it actually requires a lot of mental focus um, yeah. on top of you know you having to loop it for 28 hours and i think he also had a counter on his yeah of course mm -hmm. he had a counter on his piano so he would always tap it you know at the beginning of a new to get to that 840 it's crazy i think it's it's amazing it's so impressive did did your friend say anything about like how i don't know well, what it's like playing a normal or, or traditional piece of music since that experience like did that i don't know just kind of turn the 
the volume down on regular performance after such a feat? I can't say we haven't had a conversation on how that's affected his, you know, regular time music. But I think in general, this person is a lovely musician and loves to explore boundaries. I remember going into because he was a conductor. He was a graduate assistant at the University of Miami when I was there. And I think on his during his first rehearsal uh, with us, he showed up and had a silent rehearsal. So he just wouldn't speak to us. He would stop us and, you know, gesture and mime minimally to get us to do something. Um, so just a very creative person. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I assume that his whole world turned upside down and then again after playing that. <laughs> I, I sure would think so. It just, it just reminds me a little bit of um, the um, conversation we had with Oh man, he was the trombonist that had all the wonderful insight about um, 10,000 hour rule and stuff like that. Um, gosh, I'm embarrassed. Can't think of his name off the Jason, top of my head. What, Jason Suleiman? Yeah, good job. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, Jason Sullivan. Sullivan? Yeah, Jason. And um, yeah, anyway, one thing I, I remember mentioning on that show was I, I think it's really hard to, to totally waste time practicing something in music you know i mean it's uh it, it's probably very easy to waste time on a short-term goal like if you have a gig tomorrow and you have to learn the specific piece well like okay you have a very short amount of time and you're going to need to practice very specifically in a very specific way to achieve that however if you were to go up to a piano and just like let the note c drone over and over for 10 hours and not move like yeah that probably doesn't have any immediate application to the kind of music we play on a regular basis but i would think it would be like pretty transformative just from the sheer like mental discipline and mental uh, stamina that it would require to do that and it just i thought of that with with vexations it's like yeah it's probably not very hard to play but to do for 28 hours yeah of course i mean that's yeah, that, that's like a, a whole big philosophical journey and statement. And I, I yeah, I can't imagine that wouldn't somehow impact your musicianship for the better. Well, when you talk about like, oh, it's not that hard, but doing anything for 28 hours is hard. Think about Bolero. I think about what every non-percussionist thinks about the snare drum part to Bolero, which yeah. is, is so easy. And it's what, like, I don't know, 16 minutes long and it's a two measure phrase like how could it and it, it's hard i've only done it with orchestra once and it's like it's so mentally hard i thought it was so hard i did it when i was an undergrad you know like sophomore junior i think right in the middle of the degree and yeah i i, I thought it was really really hard i thought it was too difficult to mentally not get distracted to to not it, observe what's around you and and still maintain the little two bar pattern you know i mean i think i would be a lot better at it now but that is because of this whole concept we're saying like mental stamina and having played steve reich for years in between now and then which uh yeah is another great example of the utility of maybe something like this i mean like a really long steve reich piece will will we'll kind of grind on you and we'll kind of wear on you. And I think people, especially who aren't used to that kind of music, I mean, it has a really bizarre effect on them, just the hypnotic, cyclical nature, repetitive nature of it. In fact, there was a news story we reported on years ago on the show where, you know, uh, the latest parental fear and parental panic was a new type of music that's getting your kids high 
what we need to tell you at five o'clock on the news. And it was minimalism, you know, and I don't think it was Steve Reich specifically, but it was something that was really droning and repetitive over and over and over. And, you know, of course, it's not making the kids high, but it is having this, you know, almost dizzying kind of effect on them because they're not used to it, you know, because they don't yet have that mental stamina and aren't used to enduring that for that long. That's crazy. Wow. Don't let your children listen to Philip Glass. It's danger. <laughs> right. Well, I actually thought that was kind of the the benefit of like, I, I think for a long time, I didn't get, I'm not saying to, to get high from listening to music, but I didn't get minimalism. Like I was like, everybody loves Steve Reich. I'm not sure why, but okay, you know, I'll play it when I need to. And then I was in the audience, I guess it was when New World Symphony, their percussion consort was doing music for 18 musicians. And I was like, Oh my God, like today I get it. I, and it kind of got into, you get in like that trance-like mode of like, whoa, like all of this is happening and it's been happening and there's layers and like, that's kind of, I don't know if that's the high they're talking about, but. I, I guess so. And Al, please chime in any minute. I know you can't type, but just shout out, please. You're, you know, we want to hear what you, you think about any of this at any moment. Um, I know something I've said uh, in the past, like it seems like a really good example of music as like a cumulative effect. So it, from like a compositional standpoint, you know, we're always wondering like, okay, I wrote, you know, four bars, what do I do next? It's like, well, what you do next really depends on the previous four bars. And if you try to write bar five without considering what was before it, it you, you may not really get any benefit from the previous four. So like listening to Steve Reich, if you fast forward five minutes in, it'll sound one way. But if you listen to the complete five minutes up to that point, that five minute point is different. And I remember when I was in high school, I was listening to, I, I think, Piano Phase, which can be about, you know, 20 minutes. And I think in the original, it's somewhere around there. And I remember lying, you know, trying to go to sleep, listening to music as I would, did in high school. And <clears throat> probably like, you know, I don't know, just like 10 minutes in or so, I thought I started hearing voices. I thought I started hearing, hearing things being said. And of course, I, I thought like, oh, it's just kind of a trick of the ear, but it's still kind of cool that 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 that's happening. And I remember I like jotted down the the time, 10 minutes, 20 seconds or whatever on my bedside table or wherever. And then I thought, OK, cool, I'm going to listen to that later. And then I fast forwarded to 10 minutes and 20 seconds the next day and I didn't hear it, you know, and I thought, oh, well, I didn't. OK, I must have written it down wrong. Maybe it was nine minutes and 20. Maybe it was 11. You know, and I like searched for that sound, but I could never find that sound until starting all the way at the beginning and listening all the way through up to a certain point. So it, I think it's a good lesson in like the cumulative effect of listening and so, how a, a quick two minutes is nothing like a, a two minutes after 10 minutes. Yeah, so here's a question. Did it happen, like, did you hear the same thing the second time? Like you got to that same point and you're like, oh yeah, that's what I was hearing, probably. I did, I did, well, yeah. Yep, yep, except I don't think it was at the exact same point because I think if you, like if, I think it's just theory. If you pay attention like harder, right? Like if you concentrate and really listen more closely, you'll start to hear those illusions sooner. Whereas if you're more relaxed and you're not like getting all the information as um, as deeply, and you're not getting all the sonic information as as accurately, you'll it'll take longer to have that effect on you. So, yeah, I was gonna 
It uh, reminds me sort of, I watched some documentary uh, or a series on Netflix, Abstract, and there was this uh, fantastic artist who talked about all the stuff that he did, uh, one of which was creating a rainbow and how, you know, a rainbow is created basically by a combination of sunlight and atmospheric conditions, but it also really needs the viewer to be at a certain point to be able to observe it because you can't see rainbow if you're in a certain part of the room only you know in this one or you know selected spot and the same goes for music you simply must have everything align and then time is also a part of it you have to you you have to live with it for a while so that it, it would feel like that i think that's but that's amazing hey that's that's free drugs everybody <laughs> i just listen to a lot of minimalism <laughs> I mean, your mood when you're listening too, like has such, I, at least for me, like if I'm kind of like a little hyper or like stressed or anxious or something, then like sitting down to listen to minimalism is like not what I'm excited about. But I, I suppose as you sit there, it can kind of like bring you down and be like, okay, I am going to sit here and be, be patient. Um, but I mean, I suppose that goes for all music and, and art that are, where we're coming from when we consume it or experience it affects our perception. I just remember when the first time I heard something like, you know, Steve Reich, like, or uh, you know, like clapping music or something, I was dumbfounded on how somebody could get it twenty an hour. I think Al, it was a little choppy there, but I think you said it. Um, it was you thought it was amazing he got that much music out of that like one measure of material. And yeah. yeah, of course, that's, yeah, that's, that's one of, you know, the tenets of minimalism, like, let's get the most out of the least. And I was going to say also, Ksenia, I thought it was cool that you, you mentioned the artist describing rainbow, like, and it depends on the viewer's perspective, because I've heard Sati described this way as it's like, he's treating themes to try to get you to alter perspective on them. And in order to do that, you have to hear it several times then you have to you have to take its fragments and and start them in different places and i think it was an article or, or maybe it was a teacher saying this but it was like you know the regular treatment of a theme is just like hey here it is and then it's going to go do something and it's going to go places and I'm, I'm holding a pencil if you all can't see it but sati's treatment of a theme is like okay here it is and let's think more about it and now let's look at it this way and let's look at it this way so it's not like oh the theme goes off and transforms and does stuff but you like you you try to see it from different angles as it is right there like without changing it so i thought that was i thought that was pretty cool and that kind of made sense to how i hear a lot of those pieces also yeah way to bring uh, it back to sati that was nice it all came from the news see this is how we need every news segment to take 20 minutes I think it's going to be one of the new one of the new goals of the show is the guest sits and waits for 20 minutes well, yeah how can we make them wait longer longer yeah we can do it um well hey one thing you know al mentioned that he thought would be would be cool to talk about was just kind of during this time we're kind of on the tail end of this covid and or at least we're kind of going into um um you know, hopefully still like a cautious period in, in my view, but um, we're, you know, kind of stepping out of it maybe slowly and hopefully just kind of one toe at a time. But, uh, you know, is there anything that you've all been doing, I guess all of us to kind of get yourself back into performance space and I guess kind of 
how have you been treating the time to get ready to go back into that? And um, I guess I'll, I'll go, I'll go first and just say I performed at this American percussion seminar just a few days ago, of course, just from my, the comfort of my office, but um, I, I, I think I've performed online enough that it, it's felt, you know, it hasn't felt too intimidating to go back. And, and frankly, it doesn't feel like it's been all that long. I mean, I know it's been over a year, but it doesn't quite feel like it's been a whole year yet. I feel like just a lot of activities happened. And um, something I always try to recommend to friends and students is, you know, whatever your life circumstances now, that it's probably the right time for something. And I, and I think back to a buddy of mine who uh, just got a new teaching job, is actually a, a choir director, got a new teaching job, and there weren't many students. And he was telling me, you know, I, I just wish I had more students so we could go on tour. Like, how am I going to, how am I supposed to build a program when I don't have, have more students? This wasn't at any institution I te have taught at, by the way, but uh, how am I supposed to do that when I don't have more students? Like, I should be on tour. I should be taking them around and recruiting and making recordings. And like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here to do. And, and my response is like, yeah, you're right. That would be ideal. But you know what? I can also imagine you coming to me and saying like, ah, I just don't have any time to write. I don't have any time to do research. I don't have any time to work on my own singing because I'm just like constantly on tour. I'm just like busy, busy, busy. I'm traveling everywhere and I'm like booking charter buses and booking hotels and talking to parents and, and paying off cops to clean up some mess the kids did. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, well, we'll do the thing that you have time to do now because you you might not have time to do that so i feel like now you're stuck at home okay it's it's time to get amazing snare drum chops or it's time to really start writing or or so on and so forth you know so i don't know it, it hasn't honestly been been uh, uh too difficult for me because i think i've been very good at like oh I, I don't know what to do right now but like there's definitely like something i, I want to do that is ideal for being stuck at home yeah, absolutely. I think we've all seen so many people in different organizations and, and like so many projects are coming out of this time, which is awesome and inspiring. Um, I kind of agree. It hasn't coming coming back to performance or, you know, just kind of having fewer performances hasn't felt bad. It hasn't felt like a negative thing. Um, but here's some things that I've noticed. I've noticed, I don't know if any of you have felt this, but like I get more nervous now for each performance because there haven't been as many you know and and there's been a ton of recording like everybody's recording a ton and it's like oh if you make a mistake you just go and edit it or get another take or whatever um so i think that's one thing i'm like whoa this feels different everything's fine but like the nerves are just elevated um and here's another thing like i've been playing almost entirely on the same instruments for over a year and like we're so used to switching and when we're playing different places all the time like oh this instrument is four inches shorter than mine or you know whatever like we just adjust like it's no big deal and now i'm like what like this like really this marimba is that low and i used to be fine with it and you know little things like that um but kind of overall, I'm just feeling like like when I do have to learn notes like, oh, there's a new new solo or chamber piece or orchestra part or whatever, like I have so much more headspace for it than I did with all the hustle of everything that was going on before. And that's like, that's just a blessing. Like I'm learning faster. I'm kind of able to spread it out more and just do it with a kind of healthier, healthier approach. One of the things I hope I can maintain that. 
That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with, with everything you both said. Um, I think I have, um, I'm pretty good at self-motivation. In fact, I don't think I've ever, ever lacked to that. So the moment that this pandemic hit, I just went into my own projects and like stupidly difficult projects that would take forever because I knew that I have, I have the capacity to handle stupid um, and forever at this point. So I just did that right of spring and now we recorded it and that's going to come out as like my debut album or, or, or something with, with my wonderful pianist Lika. Yeah. That's, so that's amazing. And that's a huge learning curve um, just to figure everything out about, about publishing, self-publishing and, and I mean, all of that, there's so many mistakes that I, I I made and that I'm fixing and so on. So, um, yeah, I, I can't say it's, uh, I think I deal pretty well with these incubation processes where I'm just isolated and I just work, work, work. Um, so I'm sort of naturally adept to that stuff. What about you, Alan? Uh, I, I don't perform nearly as much as you guys do. Uh, but I was, what I've been trying to do, I, finally got with a band um so we're, we're starting to get ready to our first couple gigs and i went to play and i just felt my, i felt myself looking down being so inwardly focused that i wasn't looking at them i wasn't doing anything i was focused on just playing uh so i did i've currently done the old mirror trick i went to walmart i spent 50 60 bucks and bought a wall full of those little door mirrors and turned an entire wall into a, a mirror so I could watch myself and see the movements I want to see, that kind of thing. That's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> I think I think we have all, for those of us who have been lucky to to have the, the opportunity to, you know, stay healthy and, and sane throughout this process, I really can't tell I've I can't say I've met anyone who said they haven't grown through this. They haven't learned something about themselves. And that's why these moments of, of I mean, quiet, quote unquote, uh, even though there's there was chaos outside, um, somehow there at some point we all had to sit down and just think a lot about ourselves, about our decisions, about everything. I mean, whether it's related to music or to social justice, whatever you felt was, you know, took your attention in the past year. Um, I feel like we've all grown through it. And I mean, it's, it's dangerous to say, but again, for those of us who have been knock on wood left uh, with fortunate outcomes, we, I mean, this, this pandemic has been in a way, uh, it, it could, it could be a blessing, you know, if you, if you just, know how to use it and if you have again the privileges and the luxuries and the capacities to turn that uh time into something that's good for you um absolutely yeah and i think maybe maybe silver linings is the term i've been using a ton throughout all of this because it's hard to say blessing like there are blessings um i mean i think many people are benefiting from being able to take a step back from basically everything, look at my life, look at, you know, what I'm doing on a daily basis. Is it helping me? How can I adjust things? Um, you know, and, and for some people, I think 
some people have financial security and that's even even better but you know just being able to have more time and space to process and make change like we were all forced to basically change everything on a dime and i don't know probably everybody if you said even a week before everything shut down like could you teach online and could you could you function as a musician for over a year online and still have positive productive outcomes and meaningful experiences like we would have been like no we're musicians like we have to be in person there's no alternative we can't do it um but it's been i mean i think it's been good for for a lot of people aside pandemic aside and and also social unrest and those kinds of issues that have been you know traumatic and challenging of course of course and i really i i'm i should have been more careful when i when i spoke about it all um, this is all, of course, devastating and never to be wished upon anyone because it can bring such horrific tragedy and it did to so many people and these things are not to be taken lightly. But, you know, I, I remember- Did I miss a hot take? Yes, you did. Ah, but you're going to learn by editing. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about uh, the pandemic and uh, I said, um, a hot take was that it, it could be seen as a blessing and then Carly was way smarter and said it's there might be silver linings. And that's that's true. But you know, I, I when I look back, um, you know, growing up, there were two wars in my country when I was a kid. Um, one when I was like three to seven years old, sort of, and then again when I was ten. And um I didn't get to go to school, you know, school cut out when I was in, in fourth grade and I lived in a bomb shelter and I you know, I didn't get to do music really that much anymore. We were about power, water, like all of that stuff that similarly sort of happened to a lot of people the past year with the pandemic and with the like natural disasters and, and wars and everything. Um, but I, I mean, I understand that I am incredibly lucky that none of my family members or people who are close to me got injured or killed in any of those conflicts. I understand that's, that's huge, huge, huge. But would I change that past for myself? No, because I've learned so, so, so much about what is really worth stressing over and what really isn't. And what are some things that can keep you afloat and what really matters, how much family matters, how much art matters in those difficult moments. And so for me, I think uh, stressing over small things, I mean, what I call small things in music probably stopped then because what I had was I could go play the piano or I could play the guitar or I could read. I couldn't watch. I couldn't play video games, even though I really wanted to. I couldn't watch TV, even though I really wanted to. I could sit down with my dad and learn four chords on a guitar. And I still use that today to like heal me when I need to uh, just sort of run away from things or, or turn something into a song or whatever. Um, and that all came through that. It was like a shitty street that led down to a little nugget of, of gold. But again, all with having in, in mind that I was incredibly lucky that I didn't have to pay a price for that. That was as huge as some people did. My friend from Bosnia who lived through the same wars um, said the same thing, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And did see and did see some 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 gnarly things. Uh, but yeah, still like, yeah, like huge amount of just yeah, life experience and, and, and yeah, benefit from what, yeah, I guess was really eye-opening and yeah, stuck with her, you know? 
And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my internet cut out because Ksenia, I bet you had a cool answer because don't you have a you have a performance coming up fairly soon, or you've had some performances uh, recently, right? Ksenia. I recorded my album recently, but I have a performance in New York City, so it's going to be the first time that I'm going to travel and go perform the Rite of Spring for someone, which cool. is so exciting. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, when that when that album comes out, we'll have to really, yeah, we'll have to do a whole dedicated episode because, yeah, we, yeah, we don't get enough info on recording and you know how this how this whole process how this whole process happens. Well, hey, I was also going to ask you all. You know, we're kind of at this um, you know end of a, a few seasons wrap up. We're coming up on three hundred episodes. And um, we're going to take a quick break. And I don't know, just, you know, before we close out here for the day, does anybody have any favorite moments from, I don't know, the last, you know, many shows that we've done together before we say bye for a while? You know, the first one that came to me when I thought about this was Alan Adi's episode that was back episode 265 and how at the end of the episode, it was like, I mean, a luminary the whole episode was so great. It was so great to meet him and speak with him. And then um, I think it was Ben was hosting and says like, hey, like is time out for a second. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about this episode before we wrap? And he's like, well, do you have a minute to to hear me perform something? It was like, yes, like that was just such a highlight. That was so cool. And he played that piece for a prepared piano. Um, it was called The Submerge uh, by Mark Saya. Saya, I can't remember how it was pronounced um from the book of imaginary beings and that was like that was the top of my list thinking about highlights of the last nine months or years I, I i feel like we've gotten so lucky getting some good performances you know it's always such a gamble like okay is it gonna work over skype or over zoom you know right. like is it gonna work is it gonna work and yeah al audie's performance really worked and i was gonna say the same thing and yeah, I mean, I'm sure we've we've already said it before, but Steve Schick's performance of Touche also like it just sounded so good, and yeah, I think we've said it already. I feel like Ksenia said it before, but like the commitment he played it for us in his garage. Yes. You know, in a, a very small audience. I, I mean, and, and I know, like, you know, he he knows this is going out to uh, hundreds of listeners, maybe more, um, and it's gonna be up you know, as long as the internet will allow us to have it up. And so, yeah, he knows it's a bigger audience, but he's also played, you know, in front of a thousand people at PASIC and, and probably more and, 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 you know, done above and beyond all of that, you know? So yeah, for him to, I don't know, put that much dedication and just love into that performance in his garage for us, I thought was a really, yeah, it was like really inspiring. So that's yeah. my moment. So your moment Damn yeah it. sorry i know i thought that was going to be yours i could tell <laughs> no but i had i just thought how the podcast has given me myriad a, a myriad of emotions so i've been on this screen crying and hysterically laughing in some episodes mostly hysterically laughing because casey makes fun of me uh of the way that i don't understand chess for example uh when i called him figurines and how he made a big deal out of that or that time when casey oh, yeah, told that us was fun yeah. about playing a night on a bald mountain in front of Christoph, which is our most listened episode, I think, in the past year, at least on, on YouTube. And yeah. it opens talking about 
his peeing experience when he was a teenager. With a creepy old man. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Night on Bald Mountain. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need to repeat it, I don't think. Just go back. Beep, whoever edited beeped out the right thing. Right thing. <laughs> like, this guy, this old man said something inappropriate to me. And yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those urinal talks. You know, Al, like you're in the bathroom and you're like, you're, you're, in, you're at the urinal and you're going and like, you know, your professor comes up right next to you and you're like, oh, damn it. And then they, they like try to talk to you and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. It was kind of one of those. I do well, remember that, that episode. Oh, good. Okay. In multiple episodes and there was that one uh, moment of talking about how peeing into a piano affects the piano tuning. Uh, we had that one. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah true story yeah true story we had a piano peer at, at my school utah state university apb out for uh, a a character that was going into the pianos and peeing in them i think that was the dan levitan episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> now there's this right. word association right well it's funny like because yeah we're yeah right well, it's funny because we bring up these ridiculous stories, but I'm pretty sure Dan Levitan, you know, when we were done, he was one, like sometimes our most like prestigious, like, you know, big name guests, they're the ones that say like, this thing is cool. You guys are doing a cool thing. You know, how, how did you, you know, Dan, remember Dan Levitan saying, how'd you guys get together? This is cool. How'd this, how'd this come about, you know? So. But I mean, I'm so grateful for for literally every episode if it isn't a guest that i brought in because i i knew them i've met so many wonderful people through the three of you um and through brian and all of our you know uh, all of our ringers but you know I've, I've cried on so many as well whether it was bresnik or steve schick um i i just feel like i'm i'm, I'm really so grateful because this it just means so much to me that you, this podcast gives me everything. It gives me all the range of emotions that I could have. And I move to tears and I get to hysterically laugh. So I just think, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm super grateful. I guess I'd like to dedicate my answer to you all for, for helping broaden my views so much and for being such great friends. And I just, I, I love this thing. And then all the people who support us like Alan, um, and Jorge and uh, Manny and so on. I mean, we have, we have a great crew, the listeners who chime in all the time, who I get to communicate with on, on social media for their suggestions. I mean, this just, this whole thing has been such a wonderful experience in this one long season <laughs> that we're going to interrupt for a, a brief period now, but yeah, just so many highlights. I can't. A, a six year season. No, well, thanks Ksenia. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Right back at you. You know, it's yeah. Like we're super lucky to have you and yeah, Carly, Ben, we're super lucky to have you too. Ben's not here today. I know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool. Like, you know, we've had the, some host rotation throughout because it's a, uh, it, it takes work. It takes effort just to, just to prepare, you know, to prepare segments and book the guests and do all that. So no, right back at you. Thanks a lot. You know, it's, I, I knew right from the beginning, like I can't do this the way I want to alone, you know, like I won't be able to do it. Um, I won't be able to research stuff. I won't be able to 
research stuff and book guests. You know, it's like I could do one of these things, but I, I won't be able to do all this by myself. It's going to have to be a team effort. And I think the thing I'm really proud of over six years, I guess, is it's kind of almost turned into like a, a community. You know, we have all our satellite co-hosts, like we have Tracy Wiggins and Bill Schaltis and Brian Nosny, uh, Brandon Arve. Uh, we, you know, we've had these people who've kind of, you know, Caleb Pickering, you know, at, at the drop of a hat, will say like, oh, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll join, you know, I can do today or they want to do today or, or whatever. So I kind of, you know, I, I hope that kind of continues, you know, like, I feel like the more I've been able to let it go, the better. And I hope that with our patrons too, like that happens, you know, I think that would be, it'd be fun in the future if there were just like, a patron collective and they had their own, you know, maybe we weren't even there or something, you know, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see like just kind of how the community sp spreads a little more. So yeah, right back at you. Um, yeah. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, Al. Yeah. Glad you joined yeah. us today. Yeah. That's fun. Give you at least a little conversation to hear for your car ride and um, okay, everybody, <laughs> we will see you in about a month and a half, something like that. Uh, we'll be back in line uh, and back in action sometime in August. So, okay, quick break for a little while, and then we'll see you then. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Bye.